Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Words of Heart. In today's episode, we have the privilege of speaking with Bobby Malasta. I forgot to ask about your last name. <laughs> Thank you for joining us today. Oh, Dion, it's such a pleasure to be here. It's Malatesta. You were close. It means stick in the head. So it's a conversation starter. Um, I really appreciate the opportunity to be on here and to share my story with your audience. It's it's something, as we discussed before, hit and record, not everybody is aware of, of the problems that are out there, specifically gambling addiction. So if you want, I can kind of give you the whole overview in, in two minutes or less. Would that work? Um, you can give us the whole overview. Um, the interview podcast episode usually lasts about 30 minutes, so you don't have to give us the short version. <laughs> you can give us the whole version if you like. And Okay. I understand. And feel free to jump in with any questions that you have along the way. Okay. So um, I'm currently in Schenectady, New York, which is upstate, kind of by Albany. And I was born and raised in Connecticut. And now I'm going to tell you, I'm going to tell you how I look at things now in hindsight, because it's been a journey to say the least. So I've always, I've always had an affinity for gambling. Even as a young kid going to the arcade, playing penny nickel poker with my relatives, we would, we would gamble on a game called Holy Board, you name it pretty much. And I come from a family of a lot of addiction, a lot of substance abuse, a lot of alcohol, all that good stuff. And when I was a teenager, I can remember specifically like these voices in my head going, I don't want to be an alcoholic. I don't want to be an alcoholic. And I, I, this is the hindsight version. Now, today, I believe that part of how I ended up being a gambling addict was because of that. I didn't realize that the gambling was doing the same job that alcohol or drugs or any behavioral or substance addiction does, which is numb the stuff. You don't have to deal with life. And I had a lot of, a lot of loss, a lot of death, a lot of just not good stuff in high school. And then I went on to be a truck driver cross country in my early twenties and my gambling had definitely ramped up. Like I remember there was a point where I was actually an instructor and I would take my students to the casino on the, on their graduation day. That was the day we got to do a long ride. And everybody used to kind of joke with me like, oh, you should call that 1-800 number that was in the casinos and stuff. And and we all knew. We just didn't really talk about it seriously. And as the years passed, I ended up meeting another truck driver who I married. And he we, we rode cross country together for a couple years. And eventually he got tired of waking up in parking lots to find me missing because I would be at the casino when I should have been driving the truck to get us where we needed to go. So he politely asked me to leave the truck and I went home to live with mom and he stayed on the road. And the very first day home, I went to the casino because I had free coupons. 
So I, I called my best friend and I was like, oh, let's go stay at the casino. And I ended up winning a brand new car. And that was probably the worst thing that could happen for someone dealing with gambling because they call it in our language, the big win. And once you have a big win, you're always chasing it or thinking it's going to happen every time. And even when I won the car, what they do is they treat you like you bought the car. So you go to the dealership to pick it up. Now, mind you, I didn't have, I didn't have a car at the time. So that part was good. When I called my husband, he was less than excited, which I was really ticked off at him for ruining the experience. He's like, you're where? And that was the clean version of him asking. So the following week, I had to go pick up the car like a brand new car. And I had sales tax that was due and insurance money. And I actually had to borrow that because I didn't have the money to to pay that. It was a couple thousand dollars. And I borrowed it from a girlfriend and still went to the casino the morning before I picked up the car. I left early enough and gambled with the insurance money. And I tell you this because that's how... That's how sick gamblers are. It had nothing to do with the money. It was it was the chase. And luckily, I won enough to pay back my girlfriend that had given me the money. But that's kind of not the point. The point is, I shouldn't have been there in the first place. I probably shouldn't have been there the day I was playing bingo. So that was kind of my 20s. And eventually, I got back into... I've always worked in grocery in the floral department. It's been a big part of my career so I went back to grocery and, and still coming and going to the casino, all that good stuff. And my career took me eventually to Kansas City. And that's where I got my first director job. And I moved out there by myself. By then I was divorced. And the first month I was there, I gambled away my rent money and my bill money. And it was it was a weekend. I moved out there on July 7th, and this was the weekend of August 18th. So it was about a month, and it was a Saturday night. I came home, like, credit cards maxed out. Just just horrible, horrible place to be in. So I spent that, that Sunday looking for a second job to try to pay back my bills and looking for a Gamblers Anonymous meeting. And on that Monday, I went and I, I pounded the pavement to get a second job. I went to my first GA meeting on purpose. I had I had done some in my early 20s. I participated in a gambling study and went to GA meetings because it was required. But I never gone for myself. I never really believed that or wanted to believe that I was a compulsive gambler or a problem gambler, as they call it nowadays. And it it was it was scary and humbling and terrifying and and all the things I was very fortunate to find a community out there in Kansas City and I I got just about two and a half years or just over two years away from a bet and I was doing really good I was I was doing great at my job I had money in the bank like I I think I had three thousand dollars in the bank which was the most I had ever had in my whole life and this is at 40 something years old and I have some speculation about why I went back out, but it's not, con- you know, it's not confirmed. It's just my own, my own thoughts. But eventually I did go back out and I gambled again. And 2016 was 
a blur. I, I, I don't remember much of 2016. And at this point, not only was I gambling, I was also drinking like every day. I w- if I wasn't at the casino, I was at the bar. If I lost my money at the casino, I would go to the bar after. I, I was very, very reckless. And my old GA community had told me about inpatient treatment, a rehab. And it was free, they kept saying. They said, Kansas would pay for me, so it was free. And I was like, okay. So I started looking into it. But I'm like, well, how do I miss four weeks worth of work? And even though it's free, I need I need to get paid. I had done a lot of damage. So I was scared to give up my check. And early 2017, when we were doing benefit elections, I found out that I was covered I, I had, um, you know, like one of those insurances that paid your paycheck if you were out of work short term. So all my excuses were were removed, I guess. And I ended up going to inpatient treatment in March of 2017. And I am very happy to report I have not placed a bet since. And my life has done a 360 for sure, because now I'm an advocate to raise awareness, which is why I so appreciate you having me on the show and allowing me to share my story. And we're getting close March is Gambling Awareness Month, and I'm connected to the state of New York, and I had gone through some of their programs when I relocated back here. And it it blows my mind thinking about how when I was in my early 20s, so 25 years ago, I was in a gambling study But yet people today, 25 years later, still don't think of gambling as an addiction or don't take notice of it because it's so it's so part of our culture. You know, there's casinos on every corner now. There's scratch offs in every convenience store. There's betting online. It's just even if you think about our language and I catch myself doing it all the time, it's like, well, you want to bet or I bet you. I, I betcha is a way of saying, I believe this, you know, so truly, but it's part of our language, it's part of our culture. And I'm very fortunate because I believe that this, this time, whether it was from rehab or the work I did after or the path I've been on, everything from, you know, starting my own podcast about gambling addiction to dating a guy in recovery, to another round of loss, to exposure to an alcohol-free community, which now it's been, it's been over a, wow, I guess it's getting close to 14 months that it's been since I've drank and my life is on track. And I feel like I, I've done what I call the work or the digging and healed like the to me the first step is being aware of like what's broken and going back and kind of doing the work and doing the healing around it and i also am now super accountable super accountable to all the people who who listen to me i couldn't dare go back out and gamble now because because it just wouldn't work with my values today right and i truly admire you for sharing that um um, I can understand um, your perspective. Um, I feel like if we 
let's, how do I phrase it? I feel like all things could be an, an addiction. It just, um, whether it be drugs, alcohol, um, social media, um, uh, food consumption, or trying to look and be perceived a certain way, um, appearance-wise. Um, I feel like um, many things could end up being an addiction, but um, it's an it's an, it's important to obviously hold yourself accountable, but to also seek help as well. And perhaps I don't emphasize this enough. Actually, I do emphasize this. Um, I mean, we're all human. We all have our flaws. Um, we're not called to be perfect. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously. Um, I think you... I, think, I, I lost my point as well. Well, I think you made a great point that there are so many addictions and so many that are normalized, right? When you think about a food addiction, we need food to survive. So it becomes then a balancing act. And I've come to believe through through my recovery, through the exposure, through the reading, through my personal development, like through all the things, I now truly believe a couple very basic things about addiction and, and recovery. I believe that all addiction is rooted in something we don't want to deal with. There's some sort of a hurt. There's some sort of voices in our head. There's some sort of trauma. There's something that we're trying to bury or numb or cope with. And I also believe that once we address these things, uh, so on my show, Dan, the way I describe it is as if we have the, a bucket in our gut. And if you can picture a bucket and it's been filled with all this negative and all this trauma and all this garbage, and it's just been over, you know, like overflowing. We've been stuffing stuff in this bucket and stuffing this stuff in the bucket. And we don't want to feel how heavy that bucket is. So then for me, I went and gambled or I went and drank. And for me to live a meaningful life now, I had to scoop out that bucket and I had to sort through all that crap. And I talk about the bottom three inches. Like in my, in my imagination, my bucket's about a foot tall, but there's these bottom three inches. And that's the stuff that... I had to address in rehab and that's the stuff that's really challenging and really pivotal because it hides it hides and consumes that space that can keep someone from just kind of going through the motions of life versus having their bucket filled with all that positivity and living a meaningful happy life one that they can actually set boundaries and have productive relationships and calm down some of the voices in the head to your point we're never going to be perfect we're, we're just never going to be perfect but there are you know tools and and techniques to help us get free of all that junk does that make sense oh that makes complete sense there's all types of tools and therapeutic ways to help you heal or try to navigate life a lot simpler as opposed to harvesting all those negativities and little voices in your head into that big massive bucket until it overflows and you just explode. <laughs> That's it. 
So, Bobby, um, if you could have any superpower, um, besides being awesome, which uh, <laughs> I'm just joking around, um, you can use being awesome as your superpower. If you could have any superpower, what would it be? That is a fabulous question. Well, I think, and I don't know if this has to do with my mood today or kind of where I'm at right now in, in, in life, but I would like the ability to be more, I want to say like more fearless or like see into the future something something's going on in my bones lately where I'm starting to lose a little bit of confidence and I'm struggling with that and I know better my logical voice is no better but I'm struggling with that so being honest I would love to know my superpower of knowing that it's all going to work out the way I imagine it working out because Dion I have this huge dream what I want to do is create places that are safe for people in recovery or people that want to quit and I want to provide shelter and a place of employment and a place of of just sanctuary where people who are trying to not use whatever their their drug of choice is that they have a place to come and it, and my vision is going to cost me like gazillions of dollars and I've been working so hard every day for the last couple of years trying to put this this vision together and get all the pieces together and lately I'm just like in this little bit of a funk where I'm I'm doubting myself so I want I want confidence and future reading as my superpowers I think I just stole two (laughs) no no it's okay that is a wonderful superpower slash dream slash vision and Oh, I could see that happening into fruition, even though I don't think I really know what fruition means. But the point is, I can truly believe in that happening because you have such an amazing story and incredible spirit and heart. And I understand you're a little in an iffy mind state right now, but I'm pretty sure something great is going to occur soon. And that little if is just going to be like the wind and it's just going to fly away. I love that. Don't we have this great responsibility as podcasters to be cheerleaders, Dion? You're doing it beautifully. <laughs> I try to. I'm also a full-time college student. So um, as far as your mind state is being a little stressed or what have you, um, I am definitely have been slightly stress as far as trying to be a good student which at the moment I'm passing all my classes to that and um podcasting and making sure that your story and anybody else's story is shared because I feel like we do each of us does have a story and it's up to us to use that story and our gifts to help others so I'm doing my very hardest to make sure that's accomplished. I really appreciate you recognizing that, especially, so if you're in college, I'm guessing that you're probably closer to 20 than 30, right? Or 40 or 50. Yeah, I'm closer to 20, I'm 25. Okay, so So to have that much mindfulness of the world and appreciation that everybody has this story, you know, you deserve a lot of credit for that. Because I don't know, I don't know if it's because I was 
you know, buried in my stuff and not paying attention to the world. But I don't know that I saw other people like that when I was 25. I, I, I don't think I did at all. I'm, I'm, I'm an interesting human being. <laughs> Well, Bobby, um, we're getting close to this awesome conversation. Um, do you have any social plugins you want to tie in where people can find your podcast and any other um, links that you want to share before you wrap well, up? Well, if there's anyone out there that would like more information about gambling, um, addiction in general, I, I'm immersed in the community. Um, you can reach out to me directly and I'm Bobby Malatesta, M-A-L-A-T-E-S-T-A. So I'm on Facebook, LinkedIn, all the places. And then 321-NO-KIDDEN is my podcast, my Facebook business page, my website. Well, actually my website's Bobby the Awesome. We finally got that fixed. So, <laughs> uh, yeah, so I, I'm pretty easily reachable. And thank you for giving me the opportunity to let people know how to find me, Dion. No problem, Bobby. Thank you for joining me. This was an amazing conversation. I, I very appreciate it. Thank you so much. And you keep doing what you're doing with podcasting and getting good grades. Thank you. And to all my listeners, stay healthy, stay safe. If you need anyone to talk to, you know Bobby and myself and anybody else is willing to be there for you. Until next time. Nice.